Date Night fam. Bree here with my handsome hubby. <laughs> I got to get you some glasses. Oh, love. I love getting to do this with you. And I, you. Well, we have a fun one today, folks, kind of outside the typical fair because we're talking health and fitness, God and bod, oh my. and really trying to discern if this should be a Christian focus at all, and if so, how to live it out in a balanced way. Right. Balance is key because it seems like some evangelical camps put way too much emphasis on mm-hmm. physical things while others ignore it entirely. But it's something that we all deal with, whether it's poor health, bad habits, slow metabolism, wrestling with insecurity, or on the flip side, pride of life, where we live at the gym, spend all our money on lotions and potions, and the bod becomes God. Um, So it's good to talk about these things honestly. Yes. We're going to share a bit of our story, review the pertinent principles, and lay out a few ideas on how a Christian home can view diet and exercise. And for the record, we are not woke liberals hugging trees on a hippie commune. (laughs) We are not health and fitness gurus. We're not stellar athletes and certainly not medical professionals. So And we do love a good bowl of ice cream. Yes. So our convictions aren't (laughs) anyone's commands. We just want to be a source of biblical perspective for you and share a few things that have blessed us along the way. Amen. You ready, my love? Yes. Ethan, ready? Let's pump you up. Okay, so this is not an easy topic, my love, Mm-mm. because there are so many views on good health, bad health, good diets, bad diets, and there's always new science, new fads, and yeah. I guess everyone has a different medical history and body chemistry. So, and even for Christians, physical matters are an area where we can quickly merge down into legalism, so we want to handle all this with care. And different upbringing, role models. That's even. true. Yeah. So for starters, I already mentioned it, we'll restate it. Our convictions aren't anybody's commands. We are not medical doctors or dietitians. Mm-mm. So the stuff that we share today, that is right from scripture. That's going to be the timeless truth Uh, and is the most important part of the pod. While the personal stuff on what we've been through, how we eat or exercise, that's all just application and you can take it or leave it. Totally. That said, we got to have some fun. So to all my homies from the 90s, this one is for you. Did you just say homies? (laughs) I did. (laughs) Yo. Well, yeah, we want to bump you all up today, but first and foremost, it's not physical, but spiritual because Jesus was clear what profit a man to gain the world, but forfeit his soul. So we are going to break all this up into three sections. Number one, a little bit on our health history. Number two, biblical principles. And number three, personal practices. Why don't you go ahead and start with the background? Okay, a little context from us. I grew up in my early years with a single mom who, by God's grace, worked her tail off to take care Mm -hmm. of four girls just on a checker salary. So naturally, she was just trying to keep food on the table, meaning we ate what foods we had coupons for and that were easy to make. And Tone, also, he played college basketball, but will readily admit he had a high metabolism, which slowed down (laughs) his mid... down in his mid-20s, all to say by the time we hit our early 30s, neither of us were super healthy. And it wasn't good, even though on the outside we looked what I would say pretty average American, the inside of our bodies were falling apart. It was about 2016 that Bree's blood tests started coming back really abnormal, and they diagnosed her with a rare autoimmune disorder, and for a brief time I thought the Lord might be planning to take her early. I remember praying deeply, Lord, please just help her get to our kids' marriages or graduation. Um, It was to the point that she couldn't eat, her hair started falling out, and at times she was virtually bedridden. And the doc wasn't happy with you either, my love. (laughs) No, I'd always enjoyed the gym, but strength doesn't equate to health. So around 2018, I started getting these little hard, I know this is gross for everyone, scaly patches on my skin, felt pain around my heart, which I attributed at the time to bench pressing. And And you never go to the doctor. I don't want to. Why go to a place that tells me I'm sick? (laughs) 
Now, the doc surprised me, though, when he ran tests uh, for diabetes, and he said I was technically in the obese category uh, and maybe having early signs of heart disease and yada, yada, yada. And looking back, we didn't see ourselves as unhealthy. No, it just snuck up on us. I mean, I'm sure many people are in this boat. Habits we had since we were teens, good old-fashioned Americana life, hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, soda, the whole bit with all the processed food and additives was eroding our bodies away from the inside. And the alarming thing was how quickly doctors pushed expensive meds. They did, and we didn't have money for it. No, I'd forgotten about that. I remember my dad one time asking me on the phone. He said, Tony, all the docs seem to be looking at Bree's symptoms, but is anyone looking out for her root cause? Yeah. I'm thankfully at our homeschool co-op. There was a woman who had been to nursing school and graciously walked me through the process of what foods can actually heal my gut and then therefore affect my autoimmune systems. And she told me about a book to read on the science of food and then held my hand through the whole process. Her Love truly helped me want to do the same for others. Mm. In which it, it did ignited a journey for you. Because um, for those who don't know Brie, she's a bulldog when it comes to research. And once it clicked that meds were only cloaking on the outside, what the bad food was doing on her inside, she really went into hyperdrive. Uh, and that's when everything began to change in the wood home. Totally. It was a long, humbling process trying to locate the foods that were clean, unprocessed, and then sticking to them. But immediately I was able to function again and get off of the colcysine meds. That and it was just, immediately. Yeah. I think that's a good word. It was overnight. And and now it's confession time, everyone. This is a Tony truth. Um, I didn't like it. I went <laughs> kicking and screaming and Bree spoke with a dietitian. She did her study. Like she mentioned, she finally landed on this kind of hybrid paleo diet that worked for her. And I know others have experienced this. When someone in our life finds something that works for them, they just become obsessed with it and they make sure that everyone else is going to be doing it too. <laughs> so they become rocky. Yeah. And all jokes aside, it really be comes something that they fight for because they love others in their life and they want their best. Totally. And so she was doing that. So she's cooking these weird meals and the kids and I wanted to cry. We had pouty faces all over the house. Uh, and one date night, I don't know if you remember this, my love, you shared all the research said the children wouldn't join so long as I kept bemoaning my existence <laughs> and asked for my support and thought it might even help my energy and longevity in the pastorate. And that night was when it hit me like a ton of bricks. I wasn't loving you and the kids over myself. And I needed to serve you. I needed to serve the family by modeling unity. And to be fair, it took time for me to find good recipes. The first ones were pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. Long story short, I started feeling better right away, kind of like Brie did. The skin patches went away. My heart palpitations stopped. All the joint pain went away. Uh, I lost a ton of weight. But the biggest thing by far, and this is the thing I don't know that we talk about enough, was all the cog fog and the tiredness left. Um, and I didn't need the coffee all day long to get through a 14-hour day. Um, and now just a few years later, we've walked with many friends and many family members who discovered their own food allergies and been blessed by making the change. Kind of sounds a little bit like an infomercial. There's more. Yeah, there's more. <laughs> the Lord's been very gracious. And I'm just so thankful he took time to patiently open my eyes and give us a few more years to serve him together because that's what it's all about, living our life in the most optimum way to honor him. Yes, that was my husband hitting a Fly, a fly on the table. There's a fly. Just so you know, everyone out there, whenever there is a bug in the room, <laughs> and he becomes I can't, obsessed. I can't. There's a little fruit fly. It's at time of year. It's Orange County. And so if you hear more smacking, it's just me. Okay. Let's go ahead on that and move to part number two. And we're going to call this biblical principles. And then we can share a few practical ideas that we've used or seen others use. Got it. 
For starters, um, I know Date Night Family, we're all believers in Christ and we love God's word. We cannot let any particular food itself be seen as a spiritual matter. Mm -hmm. The New Testament is overwhelmingly clear that there are no food restrictions for Christians. In Matthew 15, 11, Jesus said, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. So food isn't what makes us holy. And Jesus said, all foods are clean. Paul adds, food does not commend us to God for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat, are we worse? So Jesus says it's not what goes in that ultimately matters. Paul then adds, food isn't making someone spiritually better or worse. We could also add in there Acts 10, where the Lord tells Peter, all animals are clean to eat. And then Paul to the Colossians, who says food is amoral, meaning neutral. And even Paul told Timothy that any spiritual debate over food is what he called a doctrine of demons. Wow. And his point there is that demons want people focused on amoral, physical, merit-based, non-spiritual issues instead of the heart. But God isn't focused on what goes in the mouth, but rather what is coming out of it. And false religions really major in those minors. They do, which is why Paul warned the Colossians, quote, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no actual value against the indulgence of the flesh, meaning avoiding certain foods or being in great shape or any other external do this and quote or do that can be a simple cover of religiosity and pride. While underneath there's still this wicked heart of secret sins and no true holiness, which happens all the time. A great bot doesn't equal loving God. That's a, that's a mixtape. <laughs> How does a Christian keep diet and exercise in perspective then? Well, I think I would boil the whole thing down to two principles. And everyone, just try to remember this the rest of your life. You want to be balanced with what physical health is and what it isn't. And number one would be this. I don't let my conviction become your condemnation. Meaning, I always want to prioritize the spiritual over the physical when I'm relating to others in the church. And just because I have some you know, heavy conviction or motivation in my life around food doesn't mean that I need to push that on everybody else. Yeah. And second is, I don't let my conviction become your distraction. Meaning the kingdom of God, to quote Paul, is so much more than eating and drinking. It's more so about righteousness and joy in the spirit. And if I'm obsessing over health or making everything about health, I've become a little Pharisee and maybe missing the real kingdom work at hand. Which is why we waited so long to do a pot on diet and <laughs> yes, exercise, right? Yeah, the last thing I want is anyone at the church or a date night family thinking that physical health and wellness is numero uno here because it's just not. And in a world that worships health as a God and gyms as their church, we need to have perspective. May I play devil's advocate then? You can. Obviously, we've just seen one side of the coin that food can't be an idol. But what about the other side? Like the gluttony or lacking mm -hmm. self-control because the Bible says a lot about that as well. Yeah, and that's why I use the word perspective there or balance because although God doesn't care about what we eat, he does care how much we eat and then the way that we do it. Um, and this is where we want symmetry as Christians, where we rejoice in the Bible's clear freedom on what we eat, but then also obey the Bible's clear instructions on the way that we eat. Read Proverbs 23 for us, my love. Verse 21 says, Do not fellowship with heavy wine drinkers or with gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and glutton will come to poverty. And Proverbs 28. 28 adds, A companion of glutton shames his father. And 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? So the Bible's super clear there about self-control over our appetites and caring for our body and even about avoiding friendships that revel in a party spirit of alcohol or overeating. And that's not because food changes our heart, but because food becomes a representation of our heart. And if our heart desires to love God and love others, then we'll control our appetites in a way to most accomplish 
accomplish that end. That's a great way to look at it. It's not simply about physical health, how much we weigh, and certainly not about how we look, but really examining why we make the choices that we make when it comes to health. And that'll be different for everybody, right? Some struggle with health or medical issues. Others have difficulty affording, you know, healthier in quote foods. Others wrestle with anxious eating. Uh, Others have poor role models. Still others wrestle with real gluttony, like it's a real sin. While on the flip side, others worship their body or feel insecurity or struggle with bulimia or hating themselves for not fitting a certain gene size. It's just an entire range of issues. But for the Christian, it all must flow back to the same core question, why? What's my motive? Is it to please God? Is it to love others? Or is it to fulfill some view of myself? So it's not that healthy habits make a clean motive, but that healthy habits should flow out of a clean motive. Which is the impact Christ has on a life, changing the inside. Exactly. And that's why only Christians whose identity is based not in what they do or are, but in what Christ did and who he is, can have a real healthy self-image and wake up with meaning and purpose. All that to say, for everybody listening, make sure even your health habits flow out of your love for Christ and your desire to please him and him alone. All right. So there is a bit of our history and the principle. Let's talk over a few practical things. And just to say one more time, these are just jello on the wall things. There are little things we found that worked for us, and we know there are far more qualified people out there. I got him. (laughs) And we're going to list these things in no particular order. So do you want to start, my love? Sure. One big thing that blessed us, including the kids, was removing gluten entirely. And it was hard at first. It was. But over time, we all saw the massive difference in mental clarity, alertness, and not feeling fatigued all the time. And there's a ton of new research out about celiac disease. And I know that um, most people will understand that particular issue. But there's also now a lot about how carbs in general can cause fermentation in the gut for some people. And that's why gluten-based products impact so many. And for those with children on the autism spectrum, we and many others have seen night and day improvements when removing gluten. And another one was helpful was removing dairy, largely because we found it led to hives, breakouts. And this was true for the kids as teens, but for us adults too. Yeah, it was for us as well. And there's so many replacements now that honestly taste better. Almond milk, coconut milks, coconut sugar, and just so many other substitutes for baking. Yes. And the third thing that's been helpful is adding probiotics to our daily routine, especially Inner Echo's brand at Sprouts, which regulates healthy gut bacteria. And that's important research. If someone's listening like I was going gut bacteria, that (laughs) sounds really creepy. What's that? But there's this whole science out there behind what our stomach and intestines were meant to process and then what they've been forced to process due to the mass industrialization of food products. And you mentioned it, but I'll go further. Multiple studies are now linking autism with diet, especially with gluten, dairy, and additives. And I've got a quote here from Red Bradley who counseled dozens of autism cases. And he says, I quote, one family adjusted their son's diet, removing additives and within months, he was completely out of his communication disorder and maintained his savant abilities, but was able to communicate. Then in order to test their theory for one day, they allowed he eat regular food again, and he immediately reverted to autistic traits. And Reb goes on in his book to share how he moved himself to the what's called the fine cold diet uh, after docs diagnosed him with liver failure. And basically, just moving to an all-natural vegan diet for a year, all organic, no man-made chemicals, figuring he had nothing else to lose. And within a year, his body had rebuilt his liver perfectly. And a fourth helpful hint is to find a list of books or websites for moms who've already been down the clean eating road. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like Paleo Running Mama is a 
great website. Against All Grain by Daniel Walker is a great book. Paleo Hacks by Kelsey Ale. Uh, Paleoleap.com has a free 14-day meal plan and shopping organizer. So there is a ton of help out there now. And let me just add another note for pastors and leaders, because this was the direction I was headed down a few years ago. Albert Martin, the great Reformed pastor from Trinity Baptist, did a little series of lectures for young men in ministry. And listen to this, and it's very convicting. He says, quote, when a pastor doesn't have self-control over his eating, others will see it. And then he goes on. Now, I know that I'm going from preaching to meddling here, and I do not write this to insult. Yet the fact is that you cannot preach with conscious conscience gripping power those truths of God's word, which call God's people to a life of self-denial, self-control, and moderation when your paunch is hanging out over the pulpit and jiggling jowls declare your lack of self-discipline. Wow. Seriously. But he's right. Nobody will say it, but everyone's thinking it. And if we're going to stand up and declare all of God's counsel, we must be living all of God's counsel. And I'll add another thing. It's not just the physical liability. It's also the emotional liability, too. I've been in meetings where everyone is functioning fine in the morning. We break for a crash lunch and reconvene, and the afternoon goes haywire with people tired, a bit on edge, and nothing being accomplished, largely because of what we all eat for lunch. The fuel that we put into the bodily engine can impact our running power for the rest of the day. Yes, it's amazing how much more clearly our family thinks when It's so true. And let me add to that. It's not just how much more clearly we think, it's even how much less we fight and we argue and Mm -hmm. get into issues, right? And let me speak quickly there to the issue of exercise as well. The key to exercise is balance. Just like with eating, it's balance. With physical exercise, it's balance. Some people are still young and training. I know listening around the world. Others are doing kind of a bucket list marathon or triathlon. And so you're serious about exercise. But by and large, most of us are just weekend warriors trying to keep the old ticker ticking. I mean, we're just trying to keep the legs moving. And studies have shown that 20 minutes a day, three times per week, if we're eating right, is enough to sustain our health, especially if you've muscle memory, you know, from the younger years. Yes, you've always been good at keeping me accountable for some activity, even if it's just simple stretching routine when pregnant or aerobics now that I'm 40. (laughs) Yeah, I'm convinced most people don't stick with exercise, you know, most of us because we take on too much at the beginning. We watch every January, we hit the gym with a membership, and then we want to go out and jog, but it's just too much. Um, That's a fad and not a lifestyle. Good exercise is working into a schedule that's sustainable over time. And even two to three days a week of aerobics, walking, jogging, or push-ups can make all the difference in the long run. And here are a few quick tips if all of this feels a bit daunting. One, look into Walmart grocery pickup or other stores with online options that provide organic food without you having to shop. They save your shopping list and it keeps you away from those impulse buys. Number two, the Flip app is a great help on bargain shopping. And number three, the Dirty Dozen is a list you can find online that explains which foods are safe from pesticides. And I found that if I stick to organic from the Dirty Dozen and then shop conventional and everything else, our budget can survive. Um, number four, read good books on how food is the best medicine, including bone broths, crockpot recipes, and most importantly, Number five is meal plan, because when we haven't planned and we're hungry, we'll make decisions we regret later. Well, there you have it. I know it's not much, but hopefully it's enough to help to get you into <laughs> into the fight. I love one last question. What about cheat days? Ah, cheat days. I would just go back to the fuel in a car illustration. If you're running on high octane fuel, you know, you're eating right, you got self-discipline on the exercise front. Um, and you're really careful on race days, church, meetings, family, corporate office interactions, whatever. Um, and then, you know, you've got a day off coming up. It's okay to splurge on a meal or enjoy dessert. You know, the key is to just make sure that there's recovery time and it's planned. Just like where we started this whole thing, eat to live, don't live 
to eat. Got it. Well, let me try to summarize all that. Number one, due to the commercialization of food sourcing, it's very likely your family is eating chemicals and likely your home is wrestling through health issues of some kind. That said, number two, the Lord doesn't make the type of food we eat a spiritual issue and in fact says we should be uber careful about making our conviction another's restriction. But number three, the Lord does care about how we treat our body and our motives for doing so. Hence, number four, we want to be good stewards of our bodily temple in order to most effectively please the Lord with a sound mind and able strength until he calls us home. And hopefully our little journey helps someone along the way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you told us what goes in doesn't matter, but what comes out certainly does. So I pray that you'd help us all to think more deeply about what's coming out including our personal disciplines and our self-control, and that you'd help us to steward our lives in a way that pleases you and blesses others. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Date Night fam, thanks for listening to us ramble. We love you, and we'll be back next week with two very special guests. Thanks to Ethan, our producer, the amazing people of Mission Bible. Until next time, keep living for the gospel and fighting for the family.